November 26, 1976, the Sex Pistols release Anarchy in the UK, creating and destroying punk rock. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And joining us once again uh, from two weeks ago, um, Christy Bukley and Janae Burris. Hello. 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 Uh, thank you for being here. Still. Possibly two of the, what do you say? Two pussy bros. Pussy bros. <laughs> Is that what I said? I don't think he said possibly. No, he, he said, said no, two members of the pussy Two members of the pussy, pussy bros. bros. And two of the most. And two um, of the funniest people in Oh, I was going to use important. <laughs> two of the most important, important people. <laughs> <laughs> two of the most important people in Denver. Thank you. <laughs> of Gollum riddles. There's no way we could. <laughs> I don't know that that's. Did I say it that fucked up? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You just had riddles in the hall. No, you said that, and then you said our name. So it was like this big reveal like, who is he? Uh, who oh, is yes. it? Yeah. Who is so it? Although I call horseshit on that riddle challenge because what's in my pocket is not a fucking riddle. (laughs) (laughs) Horseshit. Oh, God. How long have you been waiting to vent that? How long? Like 1936. (laughs) 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 Once I get my hands on Tolkien, I'm going to ask him a few questions. Guys, I have a revisionist question that's more sort of a future revisionist. So we're not following the normal pattern again on this episode. Um, so I, but I did have a question before we talk about our, our brief. Um, there's this, they're passing around a lot of petitions online right now about the Trump Hillary decision. And they're asking the electoral college mm-hmm. to do a uh, faithless voting, um, faithless electors, which means that um, the, they haven't actually met the electoral college, which is actual people with actual votes haven't met yet. They made it on December 19th and they're allowed to change their vote. If they want, if they truly believe that the masses didn't make, didn't make a great decision, they can choose the other candidate. So a lot of people are still hoping because Hillary did get the popular vote and because Donald Trump is Donald Trump, that they might actually, uh, do faithless voting. It's barely ever happened. It's never been consequential. Like somebody's only done it ever like ceremoniously, meaning a uh, president already had 270, but the, this person casted just as a kind of a protest uh, vote. And I don't think this is actually going to happen. It would, um, but my question, the revisionist question is, what do you think would happen in America if it did? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier because I'm like, maybe it would, maybe may, help holding on to the last, last shred of hope. But I, if that I happened, that cl- would confirm so much of the Trump supporters' belief it's that it's rigged. rigged. Mm-hmm. That whatever happens confirms it for them. Yeah, they can, true. they, they, uh, yeah, they don't care. Um, I think it would start a civil war potentially. Yeah, it would be, it would cause a lot problems and I as much as I don't agree with this decision I don't know that it would be the right thing to do I think for... it would burn our country down mm, yeah it definitely get ready to move much more likely um, is that at some point this guy will do something horrible and impeach be impeached. Yeah. yeah I mean he might be found guilty or guilty yeah. of fraud next month for Trump University 
Awesome. We'll be stuck with my pants then. Yeah, it's the, even that is worse, worse and scarier. I think it's worse, scarier for sure. Mm-hmm. That that is terrible. Oh That's, God. Oh God. Yeah, it's almost like Trump can't help but say what's on his mind, but Pence obfuscates a little bit. Can you explain that word to me? <laughs> he inveigles, <laughs> I believe. Okay. Um. He just, he's able to be more polite about the horrible shit he believes. Yeah, more PC about it so that it's maybe palatable. Like, yeah, people thought he was boring, but he's also the person who championed transvaginal ultrasounds for women who wanted to get an abortion. Yeah. (sighs) So. He's, okay. And then third in line would be Speaker of the House. Paul Ryan? I think I would prefer that. I preferable yeah he almost got me when he was like definitely like he was not trying to support trump he was not turning everybody was like turncoats all of a sudden and he was holding out and i was like oh my god this dude might be decent but but i mentioned i mentioned samantha b the last episode she had a great line after he like refused to withdraw his endorsement Mm -hmm. was like i'm glad you didn't invite Trump to your rally because he couldn't help grabbing a pussy like you. Oh, yep. And it was just part of, like, there was so much Dang girl, good joke. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to tweet that to her now. Um, <laughs> with no no reference point. Um, but yeah, it's the idea of the GOP establishment being against Trump, but they were all too cowardly to really be against Trump. Right, mm-hmm. right. They're all scared of him. I think that's that's the problem we're going to have is none of them are going to have the spine. They're not scared of him. They are scared of being ostracized from the party and not being reelected. That is all they are afraid of. They are not afraid of him as a person. Like, well, you don't want him. He he often uh you know, screams that he's going to get revenge on someone. Uh, he, that's his thing that he does. I yeah. I think that he can get some of their um, supporters to turn on them. I think yeah. that that's why they would be afraid of him because they prefer his endorsement instead of his disdain mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they it, it'd be preferable. Maybe he couldn't. Maybe that's not the only reason they're afraid of it's him. But I think that he is. They are afraid of him, yeah. and they just don't want to get primaried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um. Listeners, typically what we do on the show is we'll take a topic from history. One host will present the true version of events. Another host comes up with an alternate history. And the winner becomes the truth. Um, But this episode, we again abandoned that format. Um, And Christy and Janae, you both brought in uh, specific figures from history to talk about. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Janae, if you want to go first. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. Oh, okay. I was... Just getting curious about um, people who are part of uh, women's liberation movement and or people in history who have helped. And so I just started to look up a little bit about Ida B. Wells. She heard the the issue that she was championing uh, was a. Uh, Southern lynchings was her subject and, and the why she comes up regarding women's liberation is is that she she really couldn't get uh women from the suffrage movement or temperance movement to support her regarding uh southern lynchings and 
I think it relates to what's happening today. That there were a lot of white women that voted for Trump. Yeah. Uh, and it's like they somehow keep trying to separate the issues. Mm-hmm. Being a woman versus being a person of color or an LGBTQ. It's like, I don't want to be like all of us against the white straight men, mm-hmm. but we should all be together for something, not necessarily against the men, but for for ourselves, be together for ourselves because we didn't get to participate in the creation of the constitution. And yeah. We didn't get Ugh. to participate in, I mean, we, we did, there were a lot of women who helped in the founding of the country, but like even Ida B. Wells, W.E.B. Du Bois tried to, he doesn't include her as one of the founding members of NAACP. Yeah. Because the men are against us always. Come on, ladies, join together. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, not just like white women breaking for Trump, but, Latino men and some a larger portion than Romney of African American men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there. I know too many young African American men who did not vote at all. Yeah, that's the other. They they were those people who just stepped away, whereas a lot of black women, especially educated black women, came out. Mm-hmm. They came yeah. out in high numbers, and we tried because we know that a lot of times throughout history we are really at the bottom of the pile. A lot of times, and so we we can't afford to have Trump in office. But Ida B. Not enough of us. Just another interesting thing about her too. Before she did that, she was the first person to on uh, trains. It was like a Rosa Parks situation. Yeah, she, she was asked to move to the back or give up her seat, and she right. said no. And that was a huge. And she uh, tried to sue the rail system. Mm-hmm for discrimination because some laws had already been passed regarding uh, accommodations based on color. And she won in the lower courts and then lost. And then she lost and had to pay back what she won, which was $500. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And she was, she was a teacher and she lost her parents when she was her parents and her brother died of yellow fever or something and uh she had to go to work and try to take care of the rest of her siblings siblings or else they were going to split them apart and she wasn't really about she didn't want to get married really Mm -hmm. she's like why why should i do that and what little blurb that i read that stuck out of my mind is after she did finally get married and she had a she had her first child and she was still involved in the movement but then when she had her second child she stopped kind of coming out and Susan B. Anthony kind of threw some shade at her mm. and and um, said, what did she say? Oh, Ida B. Wells seems distracted. Mm. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the most passive aggressive, like yeah. sort of like misogynist, but like kind of obvious, like hidden mm-hmm. agenda. It's the same. Trump is sort of from that party of like, oh, women, women can't work while they're pregnant or they women who have kids or. Yeah. It's a liability. It's a lie. It's a liability, and I think Susan B. Anthony was kind of like, "Uh huh, had that second baby, um, can't get <laughs> shit done, huh? Hmm. Maybe you should just stay at home with your babies then." Well, it's like the people who attacked Hillary Clinton by saying, "What happens when she gets her period?" Without yeah. realizing that she is a sixty-nine-year-old woman, and um, that women are—we're constantly on our periods, just so you know. Just yeah, and, and we're, I mean, also that's the other, part. and we're just Wait, still doing it all anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not werewolves. Women don't lose their minds, right? And I was like, I bet you didn't even know we were on our period most of the time. You just throw that, throw that out there on men. Sometimes spring it on them. 
I'm just on my like period. After any conversation with a man, just whisper, by the way. <laughs> by the way, you like those eggs? <laughs> you, I think you it like would be better if you had survey cards with a yes or a no and see if they could determine any any apparent difference. And then you have the big the prestige funny. at the end. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, I would love. I'm gonna start doing it after my set. Oh, you guys like that? That was good. I was on my period the whole time. You should. You suckers. <laughs> this set I was powered that, by Nancy. I say that a lot on stage. I'd be like, I shouldn't even be here. I'm on my period. <laughs> I say it at the beginning. I of can't the set. do my set right now. This is crazy, you guys. I'm on my period. This isn't even safe. This like, isn't <laughs> safe. This isn't safe <laughs> for any of us. I need the men to leave the room. I need any yeah. any women who are pregnant or no might magnets, be pregnant. That fucks it up. Or yeah, something. yeah. No maggots. No, no microphones. This is a wireless mic. I can't use a wireless mic. I am on my period. Nobody can order the chicken fingers. The smell makes me sick uh, right now. Please. Yeah. No, please keep bringing me chicken fingers. The smell is the only thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Please oh, turn man. off your phone. It's like the same thing as with airplane and bees. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Airplane mode, please. Uh, <laughs> I need that. Give me that. That's my joke. Sorry, everybody. I no, called you it. it. You can have it. I just want that one. Uh, just that part. Airplane uh, mode. Please turn your phones to airplane mode. Okay. I'm on my period. Go for it. <laughs> I never talk about so my period on stage. Never. I don't. I don't. Eat. Weird. Um, Maybe just the misogyny in the world has made us afraid do to do think, it. What do you think? What do you think? Ida B. Wells' ultimate legacy. Was? Um. Uh. She. Well, she got the conversation started in Europe regarding American uh, the brutality of the Southern whites because America, like Northern Americans and cities, just didn't believe her. They're like, nah. That's like you talked before about a sort of suppression of information, and you just uh, these people they don't they don't know any people of color. They don't know. They just know they want their jobs back, or they, they don't know anyone who's been abused. These people didn't know anyone who had been lynched. They hadn't seen it in the cities because it was happening in the South. So she was living in. She's from Mississippi. And it was happening a lot there. Black men were being accused of raping white women, and that's why they were being lynched. But what was really was happening was it was directly connected to economics. Mm-hmm. Whenever uh, people were, the Southern whites were not doing well. When money was low, when, uh, when cotton they, was short or too when expensive. When they viewed a, a black man as competing with them. Exactly, lynchings were used to to keep uh, black people from economic growth, specifically. So if you had a black person and you saw them doing well, you know they needed to be lynched. Something would happen where it was like because they directly tied it to this black man doing well is taking money from you mm-hmm. therefore we have to keep this down we can't let them do well i think that uh when you know Ob- obama inspired a resurgence of some of oh, that look how gosh. fucking well they're doing they're crushing I mean, it yeah. obviously yeah it was a way to use fear to reinforce not just economic but like social order mm-hmm. yeah where like black people could not i mean uh Emmett till was apparently just talking to a white woman a little bit yeah. informally and that was it. yeah because he mm-hmm. was from chicago and he didn't know that you can't do that in the south you, yeah you're not allowed to talk to them they keep saying he whistled at him I always find that hard to believe that he did that at that. 
Yeah. Even to if be so did, disrespectful though, at that time did. as a man. I mean, these are gonna these are church people. Black mm-hmm. people in the fifties. Was are, he thirteen, twelve? He was thirteen. Yeah. He's from Chicago and they tried to the story I always heard in our history books in school because fuck those history books anyway, um, is that he was he whistled at her. And yeah. I mm-hmm. just I just find it hard to believe because black people at that time and still, you are taught to be polite for the sake of for your life yeah yeah i seriously doubt his mother sent him down to the south and he didn't know that you can't whistle at somebody's wife let alone a white woman yeah i mean even in chicago i imagine that that i mean that's chicago of northern cities has a pretty long history of racial violence yeah that white supremacist structure was still in place there and is still in place today um not necessarily all over the country. I yeah. Mean. I think they just tried in our history books growing up, they just tried to play some of the blame on him because mm-hmm. how do you explain to school children that that's just the fucking way it goes down in the South? I, who knows what he did? He mm-hmm. made eye contact with somebody. He, he didn't yield on the sidewalk. Who knows how, how yeah. insignificant they just tried to, I think that's, we do it all the time in today's culture, try to place some of the blame on the victim, figure out why they deserve what they got. And so they added that into our books. He whistled. Who's the witness on this shit? He whistled at a white woman. Yeah. Therefore, the people who killed him. Yeah. Yeah. And they get to mm-hmm. write the history. To- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Getting, going to Europe and getting them to listen to her story and getting them to put some attention on the issue of the of the lynchings was is her legacy because it, it's happening now you know the um who is it uh ooh, just this this idea that uh black people are um being oppressed for it to be recognized in europe and for other countries to to acknowledge it and bring exposure to it is it could possibly help hold accountable hold america accountable yeah because we can't from within America, it, it's been too. We can't hold America accountable. We can't get. So we need some outsider to to cast some judgment. Yeah, it's and like that, going to a therapist, you need an outsider to look yeah, at your own and, shit. And she did that. Um, and she did a lot of. She was a, a prolific writer and wrote for a lot of newspapers, black newspapers. And mm-hmm. anyway, Ida B. Wells. I'm sure somebody should be working on her story. Taraji P. Henton will get something done. <laughs> Carrie Washington, get it done. Yeah. No, uh, Christy, you also brought in someone you wanted. To- I was going to talk about Sophie Scholl and the uh, White Rose, which was a it was a few different college students in Germany during World War II. Um, but there was specifically uh, Hans and Sophie Scholl, brother and sister, and they um, were printing underground anti-propaganda, like uh, prop not propaganda. They were journalism underground journalism about the truth about hitler and things like that distribute these pamphlets with the this call to action for the german people to rise up against the the nazi regime yeah about the injustice that was going on behind the scenes there yeah and uh, there was a few professors and students but sophie scholl is kind of the she is the um uh, famous one if you will i guess but her and hans got caught um, distributing flyers at a college, I believe. They got caught and they got put in jail and they were put through court and found guilty within, I believe it was three days. And she was, ultimately, they were both ex- executed. 
Um, but they gave her the most interesting thing. And there's actually a movie. It's in German um, about this. It might still be on Netflix. But the, the actress does an amazing job of showing like her conviction. Um, because she was 16 years old and she was a female, the cop investigating her tried to give her so many opportunities to act like, oh, I didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. Like he tried to give her so many opportunities to let her off the hook so that she could be considered, oh, I was just a young girl under the guise of my older brother. I didn't mm-hmm. really know what was going on. So she could have walked away from her cause at any time. And, and it, he made it very clear that if you just denounce what you did, I'll let you live. Like, we'll let you live. And it ends up showing his admiration for her cause so much but the conviction she had um and to the end was absolutely incredible and they were again executed in within three days so another part of it i think that's really important from that story is like germany was a democratic country before hitler came to power they elected a president just like we did and they went through the depression um and it was really hard and they um things changed so quickly within a matter of five years. I mean, this was their whole justice system was executing people after three days. They were not getting a due the trial. Like they were expecting to be in jail for three months and hoping the war might end in time. And she was really hopeful. Like her family was hopeful and they're like, we'll help. And then they put them in through trial to execution within three days. Mm. And she, again, she could have, walked away from it but she didn't even knowing the consequences and um just that story of that conviction of sticking with it to me is like really powerful um right now i think it would be it's easy to be scared there's also a lot of um talk of like just it'll be fine just let it go and um there's a certain like we opened with that discussion, there's a certain um, idea of just letting the transfer of power be peaceful just to keep um, the keep the waves, keep the tide low or whatever mm-hmm. um, because we can survive this. But I also think it's very important to pay attention to the Trump uh, regime and pay attention to what's going on. Um, in order to not <laughs> turn a blind regime, eye. So not administration, regime. Yeah. It's going to be weird. Yeah. And so I think it's just really important for us to pay attention. My only solace right now is that I feel like transparency is um, maybe easier. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Well, let's see if we can see those taxes. Because of the the internet and because of this dissemination of information, like Mm -hmm. we don't need a Sophie or Hans Scholl Mm -hmm. as much as long as we keep speaking the truth and sharing what we know to be true. That's, I, I, we are recording this, I'm going to admit, a few weeks before you're hearing it. Um, But uh, I believe today, Trump did break tradition by not allowing the press to join him when he went to meet with Obama, which is something presidents don't do yeah but um there was a couple quotes from sophie shoal in the white rose i thought i would share at the very end here yeah sophie shoal said once um you must stand for what is right even if you stand alone i believe she said that very shortly before execution but the motto of the black rose which maybe some people the white um, rose the white rose i'm sorry it's okay um which maybe some people might might relate to right now is we will not be silent we are your bad conscious the white rose will not let you live in peace 
in the spirit of sharing quotes um, <laughs> and in the spirit of the pos- weird position I and I think Zach you might be feeling this too as a white male who is not who bears so little of the risk mm-hmm. associated with the Trump presidency but who's so I'm going to go to a quote by uh, the abolitionist William Lloyd Garrison uh, from the first issue of his uh, of his newspaper I will not equivocate uh, fuck I should remember this fucking quote um, sorry I uh, will not equivocate I will not excuse and I will not retreat a single inch and I will be heard and that was this was a man who supported John Brown who mm-hmm. supported you know uh, Harriet Tubman who supported so many people mm-hmm. um, and is like to me the idea of like a good ally mm. yeah who's doing what he can but keeping the focus on the people who are suffering yeah i was wondering this because this is something my roommate who was also a white male was feeling yesterday he felt like when he was walking down the street people were like looking at him like i that might totally be in his mind i, I think that we're he, all having some shit like that but in our we are all feeling mm-hmm. like people are looking at each other like enemy or friend or victim Ooh. i I have felt the same way in the past couple of days. I'm not going to lie. Like I am because like it is primarily white men who are the biggest supporters of Trump. And like I'm kind of I have like an embarrassment walking around because of that. Mm-hmm. I, I can sense that I went to the grocery store and it was quiet, super quiet. And I could just feel like people around me were nervous around me. But then also, I was feeling nervous around them. It was both of us kind of projecting and not knowing anything about each other. And uh, But then we were projecting. It's like, so now the fear is real because we both mm-hmm. projected something onto the other one. They think I'm judging them and and I think they're laughing at me. And it's like, it feels so real. Yeah, you said so you like heard laughter and you're like... On that oh, night when I was coming home sulking i was trying to get home at 11 30 and the whole thing hadn't really even been announced yet it was just that the numbers looked awful and i was like anyone who is laughing if there is mirth and joy going on right now who are those people and i but i specifically felt like they were laughing at me as i walked because once i got a little further they stopped Jeez. it just like stopped suddenly and I felt like it was at me. You know, you don't have to look at a person. You know which direction the yeah. sound is coming from. Yeah. And I was just like, am I tripping? Or are they laughing at me right now? Yeah. It was. Yeah. You're trying to figure out who you're. I haven't seen my are, roommate your at all. Are. It's very weird. I haven't seen him. And he's a Trump supporter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw him the night of when I was coming home, watching it in the lobby with, with other people from our building. Um, and in my building, I know it's a lot of young, young prof- white professionals, and they they are Trump supporters. Um, not all of them, but some definitely. Another thing that I've been thinking about too, that I, I I was listening to the Washington Post podcast a lot, presidential, which just is supposed to come out with a Trump. They they had it lined up that one pre- they would cover one president starting at the first president one every week until this week they were releasing the um, episode about Trump. Or they were going to release whoever got elected. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one that I was that one as well as um, more perfect, which is a, a, a Radio Lab offshoot, were talking both about 
the characteristic of empathy mm-hmm. being the thing that's missing in America now and makes maybe the best um, leader characteristic is empathy. And the fact, like the problem, the big, to me, the biggest difference between Republican and Democrat is empathy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that what's mine is, to me, when I look at Republicans, I can understand being like, I earned this money. It's for me. I don't want to share it. I earned it. I do understand that. But the difference I see between it is Republicans are like, this is mine. You can't have it. And Democrats are like, no, it, I can understand putting myself, I'm able to put myself in other people's shoes and I see the greater good of contributing to mm-hmm. the pot in the center. That's the biggest difference um, that I'm seeing. And the lack of empathy in the new president-elect is the most terrifying thing in the world. Okay, good night. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I think... We're going to move on to plugs in a minute, yeah, but sorry. a couple things that I feel like I particularly want to want to mention um, is that my girlfriend and I have a holiday tradition of giving to a charity, and I think there's a lot that could use help right now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm sorry, I think specifically because you, you guys are here, a few episodes ago, um, we posted links to uh, Trans Youth Education Support mm-hmm. Colorado. And one Colorado, um, you can find the links to that in the show notes for the Queen Lily Wakalani episode. And <clears throat> I know some favorites of mine are the Southern Poverty Law Center. Mm. Uh, there's the American Refugee Council, uh, mm. the Center for Reproductive Rights. Uh, the ACLU, obviously, also is a, a big one. Um, it just, I don't know if you, you two have any you want to mention also? Um, Planned Parenthood, if you're wanting to go really local in Denver, um, the Gathering Place is a great place for homeless uh, women, helping them get on their feet, because actually the majority of homeless people are single mothers with children, um, and so that's a huge what is, place. What's the one that Jordan had? Uh, that was the, it. That the was the one, yeah. Trans. Uh, I, trans Youth Education and Support of Colorado? Yeah. That was her mm-hmm. um, same thing she volunteered for them a lot so really Mm -hmm. um and uh yeah this is my question maybe to end it on like a lighter note (laughs) what do you i for me when we're all comedian well most of us are comedians and are you all comedians are you not a, are you a comic? I've done it, but I, I, don't, I don't. Okay, I wanted to make sure I wasn't being you, like rude. I'm what's like, your Facebook status? Is your Facebook status comedian? Okay. Um, <laughs> so most of us are comedian. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but uh, I often I do this as full time as I possibly can, um, and uh, a lot of times I sit. And I go, what am I doing? Like, does this even, none of this matters. I get upset about a bad set or I get upset about this thing. So I guess my one silver lining to take away from this is um, that I don't have to feel that way. Mm -hmm. I don't have to question, like, why is this job important Mm -hmm. anymore? Uh, So I guess that's my question is, like, how do you feel empowered or what's kind of any silver lining you guys have found from this Um 
catastrophe. No, uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. Yeah. But that's mine is feeling, I don't have to question whether or not I feel like this is important anymore. I don't feel mm-hmm. like I will be doing that ever again, yeah. really. It, Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. I personally feel like one thing that will come out of this over the next four years is I think a lot more people will pay a lot more attention than they did before, yeah. which is probably on the whole a good thing for participation. Like we said, part of the reason this happened is it was a historically low turnout. Uh, yeah, it makes uh, comedy important. Just uh, being vocal about any issues, this idea that people... Uh, look, we, ta- we talked about on the last episode, the idea that maybe some women don't even know if they've been assaulted and they they don't care what's going on with Pence, or or they don't know the type of um legislation that that Pence has gotten passed or that what he's interested in we can talk about that from the stage mm-hmm. and they don't have to we don't have to wait for them to read it in the newspaper we say it in our set and mm-hmm. it, now we've got them thinking um it, it's really empowering like we can actually make changes you know it's on a smaller level audience to audience individual to individual but we can do that. And I think that everybody, uh, since we don't have Clinton, we didn't get what we wanted. We, I think people, it's a call to action now. People are going to be more involved, just more involved than ever. The young people are going to do something on local, more local levels, I think. Yeah. Getting involved. And I think um, for me, I don't know that I do the kind of comedy that can make a difference. But um, <laughs> of course but you I, can. I, I wanna, of course I, you do. I want to work harder at that. But I think for me, the thing I think about is that this is the country that elected Trump, but this is also the country of Ida B. Wells. This is the country mm-hmm. of Susan B. Anthony. This is the country of Bell Hooks. This is the country of Angela Davis. This is the country that produced so many people who were written out of the Constitution, mm-hmm. but who looked at the spirit of it and said this belongs to me too mm-hmm. and started a fight and yeah i gotta think start gotta start some fights <laughs> gotta. The, like the men who the men who founded this country had huge flaws they had huge sins but when they decided to create a country based on an ideal they wrote the demise of their own supremacy in there mm-hmm. and it's not given it's taken. Mm-hmm. So we got work to do. And I think there's people who will do it. Yeah, there's women. Women. The girls are going to change the world. The women are going to step up. We're finally going to get together and do Talk that. Talk to each other. Don't be competitive with each other. Yeah. Um, real quick, uh, mentioned, of course, Pussy Bros the first Friday yes. of every month at Comedy Room Room. Yes, uh, come out. We talk about our periods all the time. <laughs> come out. We also have a show coming up um, January 6th. January 8th. January 8th, excuse me, uh, at the Boulder Comedy Show. Um, me and Janae and Rachel Weeks are planning on um, event- recording an album sooner rather than later. So that's kind of a dry practice <laughs> for that. Um, we might actually record the album for an audience of only women that's an idea Ooh, that we're talking that would be in. so good yeah so um keep uh if you want to kind of get a preview of that that would be awesome come check that out um otherwise just follow us on facebook to get information on those things coming up all right um so i think i'll say empty girlfriend one more time christy's podcast oh, thank you uh because we didn't mention i don't think this episode um but otherwise yeah i think 
We'll be back in the first weekend of December with a more traditional show. I know this; these last two. <laughs> Thank you little... for being patient with our anger. We just no, couldn't focus all, yeah. very well. We're all we're all fresh off the election. We had to record early because Brian and I have vacations coming up. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be back in two weeks with a more typical show. But thanks for sticking with us through a little bit more of a a heavier one. And honestly, Christy and Janae, thank you for being here and for being willing to have this discussion. You're very lucky. You're white men. I don't know why we. Would, I don't know why we did this. Wait, uh, no. <laughs> oh shit. Um, no, no. There are a couple of the good ones. Don't worry. No, we're kidding. We're kidding. It's a um, terrible thing to say, really. <laughs> but if you're listening, take care of each other. Yes. And find something to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Uh, Have a good time.